This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's time. It's time. Time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Five victory. Cowboys win. This is Love of the Star. Stop. Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I'm Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. That is your radio flagship home of the Cowboys, and. uh I've already done a you know a full show with my co-host uh, just in the time leading up to this recording. That's why uh, I, I probably sound like I'm I'm cracking a little bit. But I'm joined right now by Brian Broaddus, former Super Bowl winning NFL scout. He is now the co-host of the G Bag Nation on 105 through the Fan in Dallas, two to seven p.m. Central Monday through Friday. Brian, how you doing, man? I'm doing very well, Bobby. Uh, you know, it was a uh... It was a fun game from the Cowboys' point of view, a game that I kind of felt like that, you know, when we did our picks last week, I felt like that Minnesota was a team that had kind of figured some things out, you know, offensively, defensively. They'd figure out how to win some close games. and But, uh, you know, the, the Cowboys went in there and they really they, – they destroyed their will to compete. And uh, – you know, after what happened with Green Bay the previous week, you know this was a this was a this was a really really good win. I, and I think against a good team. I know people think they're probably a little bit fraudulent, but I man, I'm 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 kind of everything that the Vikings were doing or going into this game. I, I thought they'd be able to do against the Cowboys, but you know, great job by the Cowboys going and, and getting a, a really really nice road victory. Yeah, Cowboys win this one forty to three. This is their fourth straight victory at uh, the uh, Viking State. What is it? U.S. Bank Stadium or, mm-hmm. or something like that. Fourth victory there. They've never lost since that stadium opened. Fun fact, Brian, this is the first time the Cowboys have gone into that stadium with their starting quarterback. Because the first year it was uh, Romo was hurt and Dak was playing. And then these last two years, it was Andy Dalton and Cooper Rush while Dak was out. So even still, even though Dallas went in there with their starter, 
they kicked their ass so bad that uh, they ended up having to put in their backup for a little bit anyway. So the backup quarterback has played in every game the Cowboys have played there, but complete dominance. Just running down some of these numbers, it was a 40-3 to final. You had the Cowboys going 12 of 17 on third down. Absolutely ridiculous. That's one of those hidden stats there where if you are if you convert 12 third downs, you're winning the game. I, I, I don't care whatever else there is in the, on the peripheral stat sheet. If you convert 12 third downs, you're winning that football game. You're scoring a lot of points. Uh, Cowboys get 151 yards rushing. Uh, they average 10 yards per completion. Uh, just complete dominance along the stat sheet for them. 37 minutes total time possession. Minnesota just could not get anything going of their own on offense. Uh, Dallas, a, a completely dominant effort overall. Brian, is this about as close to a perfect victory as the Cowboys could have had, just from the coaching staff at all three phases of the football team? Oh, absolutely. Uh, when you look at really all three phases, the things you were concerned about, you know, with Minnesota's offense, their ability to run the football, they had been, a, they'd done a really a nice job of, of passing. You know, they have you know, three, I think, really good receivers, probably have the best receiver in the league, uh, you know, there in with Jefferson and, uh, you know, it, it was tough on him. It was tough on the Vikings. And I think the Vikings, you know, if they look back, I think they were very cavalier thinking like, you know what, hey, we're eight and one. We can run our offense. We'll be just fine. And, you know, we can throw the ball. We can protect. If we have to run the ball, we'll be just fine. But, you know, they learned a very, very bad lesson is that if you allow the Cowboys just to rush the passer, and play coverage on the back end, they're very capable of shutting you down. And, you know, I, I think with, you know, with Kevin O'Connell and what he, what he did, uh, you know, with the offense, you know, it, it, they, they had the first two possessions of the game, they get a third and three, they throw the ball, they get a sack from Parsons. Great play on the third and three, by the way, by curse, you know, yeah. they're going to run a, they're going to run a, a pick route and get, you know, and 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 get the you know the receiver across the middle of the field, and you know Thielen and Curse was standing right there waiting for him. You know, playing zone coverage, and then now the ball gets pulled down, and you know, and Cousins is taken off running, and and that's when Parsons. You know, you don't outrun Parsons, and that's a third and three. They didn't complete. They get down the second series. They have another third and two. They try and throw it again. You know, incomplete. So, you know, you there's where Green Bay was more willing to run the football and keep running the football, even being down, they were willing to run the football. You know, I think that's that's something that teams, if you watch this tape, if I gave you all the tape of the Dallas Cowboys defense and you watch game from the first game through what we had yesterday in Minneapolis – you would come away saying, okay, I don't want to throw the ball on these guys because the potential of them sacking me and creating negative plays. But if you tell me I could run the ball, that might be my best path to victory. And I think the, I think the Vikings were very cavalier to think that they could just, you know, roll out their offense, but they, they were eight and one, you know, that's, that's a very confident football team. And, you know, if, Unfortunately, if you're a Viking fan, you know, you saw you saw what happens if you just try and throw the ball completely on the Cowboys and not have really any balance at all. But good for 
Dan Quinn and the secondary and the pass rush and all the coaches for being ready for how the Vikings were going to play you in that game. You got a chance to look back, watch the tape, dive into this game a little bit more. I, I, the first thing I want to jump into and, and get your thoughts on, because I know this is something that uh, you've talked about and that you were really high on. You mentioned Justin Jefferson, top receiver yeah. in the league by most measures. Trayvon Diggs shut him down. And, and this is sure nice now. This is two straight games, two straight years, where Diggs has, has been matched up with him for most of the game uh, and has really taken him away. Do you think this is just a, fa- a, a function of Diggs leveling up his play and, and, and playing at a, a, just a, at a completely different level this season in 2022? Or do you think this is just a continuation of what we saw last year and for some reason he's got Diggs's number or he's got Justin Jefferson's number? I'll say this, and I believe you and I talked about this, you know, one of the shows last week. If you were going to travel Diggs, which they did – then it was going to be up to everybody else to have to play their spots and be well. And I think the secondary did a nice job overall with the coverage. The thing about Diggs is he's not scared of Jefferson. You know, you could have matched Jefferson up with Bland or Brown or any one of those other, you know, cowboy corners that got an opportunity to play in the game. And there was going to be a little bit of nervousness about having to deal with that assignment. With this, with with Diggs, he wasn't going to let he wasn't going to let Jefferson make him nervous. He wasn't going to let Jefferson have any uh, ability to win off the line of scrimmage, win down the, the field. You know, he was he was in good position. The pass rush really, really, really helped. Uh, helped the Cowboys, you know, in the way that they played uh, that game. You know, we talk about this pass rush help coverage, this coverage help pass rush, very complimentary with both, you know, with the way they were played. But Diggs was never afraid of Jefferson. And there's other corners in this league that don't want anything to do with Jefferson. And that's the one thing I think that really helped Diggs in that game on Sunday is when he lined up and he saw number 18, he's like, okay, I'm going to cover you. I'm going to carry you in routes. I'm not going to let you run away from me. I'm not going to, you know. And I, I thought he did a, a a really, really nice job of playing against a very, very difficult receiver. Do you think that comes from just a level of familiarity with Justin Jefferson that outside of guys in his own division – he, he may not have a better read on anybody than Jefferson. Uh, you look at the fact that this is three years in a row now where they've gone up against Minnesota, and then back to the Alabama and LSU times where they would have pay, played against each other. Yeah, I, I don't, think they, yeah, I don't think they – Yeah, I don't think they faced each other at Alabama. I could be wrong about that. I could be wrong about the LSU-Alabama. Uh, have to look now. That, uh, those look. opportunities. <laughs> I want to say maybe that uh, – that they they did not get that opportunity. I, I just I think somebody from Baton Rouge was telling me about that. That I, mean, I could be, it could be mistaken about that. But uh, yeah, I, I think that you know the one thing Diggs is is he's super confident. He's just a super confident player, and and you know he he might not be the fastest, but he does have quickness. He does have length. You know, he does have that ability. You know, it's you don't always see it with 
you know, him and the run game with tackling coming downhill, you know, he's like, listen, you know, my job's a cover out here, you know, and you'd want to believe that maybe he could play a little bit, you know, better in some of the run defense. But in the Cincinnati game, we've talked about this ball comes across the, the middle of the field. What does he do? He tackles back to back to to get you off the field. And, yep. you know, those are the kinds of things he's very capable of doing. I, I just still like that there's that there's that ability of his. I mean, he, he's just not intimidated. And I think that helps him when, you know, to face a guy again like Jefferson that is, you know, can release off the line makes contested catches, you know, is is going to make big plays throughout the game. Um that's it's that Diggs is not Diggs is Diggs wants he's not going to let you have any of that stuff that I just talked about. Yeah, so I looked it up they did 2019. So they did get a okay. championship in 2019. Well, that was a that was the national championship season then uh for LSU I, I thought there was something in twenty. I think Diggs. I think Diggs in twenty nineteen had Chase more that day was the thing than Jeff. Yeah, they, that was a um, game that was played in in Tuscaloosa that LSU won. It was it was a legendary football game. Tua was quarterback and for Alabama. Joe Burrow quarterback and for LSU, and just went back and forth uh, and back and forth. It just. You know, a bunch of just great football players on the field. So 2019, well, good for him. He got that one match. So, so four years in a row, they've gotten to play each other. So a lot of familiarity mm-hmm. between those two for sure. I, before I dive into anything else that you like, is there anything at all about this game you didn't like? Since I think that'd probably be easier to narrow down. Was there anything about this game in particular that, even if it's just a little thing, like, ah, I didn't love this aspect, or maybe this guy didn't play so great while everybody else did. Was there anything about the game that you looked at and said, maybe this wasn't the best? Man, I really can't think of anything that just pretty much perfect. (laughs) Just jumps off the page. You offensive line was outstanding. Uh, I'll say this, something that did jump off the page at me, but the Cowboys were able to make it up is they tried to run Pollard on the goal line. Yeah. And the film, you know, they go with the heavy tight end packages with McEwen as the fullback. They got Ferguson and Hendershot on one side, you know, block and and they hand the ball to Pollard and off the right side. And McEwen runs right into the back of Ferguson, who just gets destroyed at the point of attack. You know, he gets driven back, stalemated there. McEwen runs into him. The ball runs into all that mess. And so, you know, and then they try it again. They don't get success, you know, again with Pollard. And so what they do, they put Zeke in and Zeke figures out, okay, if you're going to call that play off the right side, I'll press it right, but I'm going back to the left. You know, he immediately said, I'm not going behind all that mess. You know, I'm going where I feel like. And that that's unfortunate because Tony Pollard, played a hell of a game, and you were thinking, okay, Tony Pollard, toughness down on the goal line. Well, people would say, well, he can't get it in. You know, he can't get it into the end zone there. And But you look at the way the play was blocked, the two carries he had, he didn't have a chance. So that bothered me, but then they had to put Zeke in to make sure that – because Zeke's got a little bit better feel for how to find that little bit of that gap and just launch himself forward so he can get either a first down or get a touchdown. 
What stood out to you? I mean, Trayvon Diggs was a big part of this. We haven't even talked about Dak Prescott yet. He had a, a really efficient day. Tony Pollard was obviously fantastic. But what were some of the aspects of this game that really stood out to you? For Dak is what you're asking? For Dak or anybody else, who do you think played really excellent in this game? Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned the games. offensive line. I, you know, you got to you – know, Terrence Steele and him and Zach Martin together, at run blocker, Tyler Biotish at center – you know, some really good opportunities for uh, McGovern and, you know, and, and Tyler Smith. I mean, you get to call out all five of those guys for doing an outstanding job, not only protection, but in the running game. I thought they were really, really good. The receivers, I, I love the fact that we started to see one of the things that you and I, when we do the scouting report on Odell Beckham is we talk about Beckham's ability to go snatch the football. And yep. we saw that a couple of different times, you know, from Michael Gallup. Ball's a little high. What does Michael Gallup do? He goes and gets it on a couple of different plays there. I thought he did an excellent job starting to come around a little bit, you know, um, after what happened in the Green Bay and stuff. But, you know, it's good to see him go out and feel a little bit better about himself and make some plays. Uh, Dak handled the, the offense exceptionally well. It's a very noisy, loud, difficult place. It didn't look like to me they busted any assignments when it came to checks or, you know, you look at the pass that went on the wheel route to Pollard. He's looking over the defense, and now he's checking. He's He kind of understands what he's got. He's got this matchup, you know, with Pollard on a linebacker, and then Schultz runs a beautiful route to clear, you know, the clear, the safety in the corner to that side, and then it allows Pollard to go up the field. So, you know, Prescott handling that, the throws he made, the offensive line, we talked about, you know, the the running game, how it was defensively. I mean, I, I just, like I said, I think the Vikings played right into the Cowboys' hands trying to throw the football in this game. But, man, overall, and then special teams, you know, Maher – I thought Maher's second 60-yard kick was better than his first 50-yard 60-yard kick. You know, and it just goes to show you, give the Cowboys some credit in the front office. This could be very much a, oh, no, we're going with Garibay. We think Garibay's the next big kicker. We love his leg. We love this about, you know, this is the kid I'm talking about from Texas Tech that, you know, the, you know, after the draft, we were all like, Garibay, huh? Oh, okay, yeah, game-winning field goals, long field goals, Iowa State game, all this stuff. And then you're also, you know, Hiralahu, you're going, okay, well, I kind of know him. He's a strong leg guy, kind of, you know, consistent, maybe not doesn't have the depth that the other kickers have. But it was, it was one of those games, you know, I mean, they made a great call. They saw that they were having problems in training camp. They saw they were having problems in training camp. With the return game, what do they do? They go out and get a, uh, you know, a big time returner. The special teams were have been outstanding for this football team. You know, Luke Gifford has five tackles against Green Bay last week. It's kind of unheard of. So yeah, yeah I mean, they 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 figured out some things front office wise and coaching wise for these guys, and it really really showed up in that game yesterday. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast, and you can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so it was an absolute beatdown. I honestly, you know, it's funny. When you get out of games like that, you, you kind of go, what is there to say? Like, 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 there's nothing that you could even really say when it's that dominant a performance. You just go, yeah, they kicked Minnesota's ass, and then you kind of move on. But I got some Cowboys burning questions for you, Brian. Uh, for us to fill this next segment. But before we get to those, I need to say thank you once again to our wonderful partner here at Love the Star, Boomer Jacks. We will uh, be going out to Boomer Jacks here shortly. We should have an announcement on that for you guys here soon. Uh, but but we can't wait to see you guys out at Boomer Jacks. And uh, even if you don't see us for that particular event, uh, I promise you can catch us out there potentially any other night of the week uh, because Boomer Jacks is a great spot. Tuesdays, it is half price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings, but they have great deals all the other days of the week, too. Any day of the week, you can get drink specials starting at $3, $15 buckets of beer. And it's a wonderful atmosphere, especially if you're looking for a place over the weekend to watch some of these football games. Just go check it out. Boomer Jack's great wall-to-wall TVs, live music. Every game you can possibly think of is up there on the screen. The best TVs in the Metroplex, the coldest beer in the Metroplex. And there are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to going to boomerjacks.com. Once again, that is boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, got some Cowboys burning questions for you to answer here. I'm going to hit you with them. We'll see how uh, how you do here in the pressure cooker. First one for you here. True or false, Tyler Smith playing left guard to complete that game tells us exactly what position Tyler Smith will be playing when Tyron Smith returns to the lineup. It's absolutely true, Robert. And the minute it happened, uh, Michael Gelkin from the morning news, uh, you know, we were, I was watching the game in studio and, you know, they had yet to come back from break. And he, I looked down at Twitter and he said that, that, uh, you know, he had known that Tyler Smith has has been getting work at left, uh, at left guard. Uh, When, when we saw last week that Jason Peters was playing, primary now just left tackle I said okay that this is what they're going to do and I got some word today because I asked about Tyron Smith we're not going to see anything from Tyron Smith until after the Indianapolis game so they're going to get through this game with the with the uh with the uh Giants Giants, Indianapolis and then after the Indianapolis game that's when I believe they're going to start the clock on Tyron Smith uh, coming back. So not the Indianapolis week, but the Houston week, that's when they're going to start the clock on, uh, on uh, getting uh, Tyron Smith back. But yeah, absolutely. They, they're, they're going to play Tyron Smith at left tackle, Tyler Smith at left guard and go from there. It was obviously garbage time, but uh, did you note any difference in the level of play you saw from Tyler Smith when he kicked inside the guard? 
No, I thought he was just fine. You know, I mean, it's it's not the easiest thing for the kid to have to do that, but he did a good job. You know, him, Peters, you know, with, with Rush in there, I, it wasn't, you know, it's kind of like the play he's been with, a little bit with the tackle spot. You know, the kid's very consistent in there. He really, really is. I mean, he's, he's you know, for a rookie, he, he knows his assignments. You know, he gets a little wonky at time with his technique, but overall, I, I thought he was. I thought he was just fine. The the way that uh, that he played in that game, and and and, and so too with uh, with also with Jason Peters. Now, when you look at, you know, Tyler Biotis, I think has stepped up, has played well. Terrence Steele has played well. Do do you think this is with kicking him inside to guard, putting McGovern on the bench, who's been solid at times? Do you think that's the best combination possible, just in your own opinion? This is exactly how you would play it. Just kick Tyler inside and then play Tyler at left tackle. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not against. Yeah, I'm not against. I'm not against any anything that gives. I don't look at Tyler Smith as a rookie anymore. I just don't. He's played. He's played so many snaps now. You know, he's played a ton of snaps. He's played what now? You know, ten games, preseason games. You know, I don't look at him as a rookie anymore. I mean, I, I think there's some things that sure that he's going to need to get better at, but he will. He's a young kid, man. He's strong. But, you know, yeah, play him at, he, he's moving him to guard is not going to be a problem. It's just not. You know, you get him, really good athlete, but some power over there with, with Tyron Smith, who's got power himself and is a good athlete. You're only going to get better on that left side. So, yeah, I, I kind of hate it for McGovern. But they'll find a way to use McGovern in that fullback role instead of, you know, Sean McEwen jumping in there and trying to block at the point of attack. You're probably going to get McGovern back in that role that he's he's been pretty good at. We're recording this episode on Monday night. Uh, this one will air on Tuesday. So from the date of the airing of this podcast, next question for you, Brian. True or false, one month from today, on December 22nd, Odell Beckham Jr. will be a Dallas Cowboy. I went from 60% uh, before the Minnesota game. I think right now I'm right around 72 or 73%. I like, how, I, like how, I like how particular that number is. Yeah, I'm, I'm not 75%. I'm, I'm hovering right there. I think I get a 13% gain from uh, the, the game uh, from what happened. If you go out and lose that game – now I think the odds would have probably gone down. I think he's clearly looking for a team that he can win with. I think he's clearly looking for a team that's willing to pay him. And I think the Cowboys are are working on will be being willing to pay him for longer for his services. You know, and that's that's something that you know when Stephen Jones made the comment on you know to the media you know on one hundred five three the fan about rolling up your sleeves and going to work that to me told me that Steven Jones and I've tried to talk to some people over there in the front office and asked about Odell and they've gone silent on him. So they're getting to the point now, even Steven Jones is talking about this, that there's not going to be any more of those questions that you ask about, but you get to ask about Odell Beckham because now it becomes about a little bit about strategy for how they're going to play this. But so while you're at seventy two percent, you think given that timeline though, like a month from now, we're not still going to be asking this question about ah, oh, there's this damn no. like ready to get back and sign. No, and I, I I feel like that the just from the Cowboys' 
probably feel like that the first of December is when you're going to start to hear him visit either you know the Cowboys, the Giants, or some team that we're just not thinking about right now, the 49ers or somebody else that might be recruiting him. Next question for you here. Keeping in mind that as a rookie, Dak had a couple of big victories, one uh, early in the season on the road against Green Bay, uh, one in November on the road against Pittsburgh, who's an AFC team, obviously. Uh, true or false, Brian brought us. This victory on Sunday against an 8-1 and one Vikings team, top team in the conference, this is Dak Prescott's signature road win of his career. True or false? Man, I'd want to say true, but I don't know how many quarterbacks, rookie or not, have ever gone into Heinz Field and won a game against a really good Pittsburgh team. You know, I mean, I, you know, him to go toe to toe with Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field. I wish he'd have got the victory last week because I don't know how many quarterbacks could ever say they beat Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field twice in their career. You know, yeah. so as good as as good as that victory was on Sunday, I'm going to say the victories in my mind. And and trust me, I, I playing at Minnesota is not fun. I mean, it is for the Cowboys. They've won four straight games playing at Minnesota. You know, Tony Romo went up there and lost playoff game up there. They all look bad up there. You know, Mark Colombo had a terrible game. I mean, they've had some bad stinker games up there in, in Minneapolis. But I'm going to say those games winning like in Lambeau and Heinz Field are the ones that right now, I know they were seven years ago, but those were pretty special victories for him. Yeah, and I think they were huge, especially going in as a rookie against Green Bay. I think that's where people really started to go, oh, okay, this isn't just smoke and mirrors. Yeah. I, I get that. I just, when looking through his career, there are not a lot of big victories over oh. real good teams in yeah. November and December. Pittsburgh was a good team and it was in November, but that's obviously an AFC opponent. And so it's a little bit different to me. This being arguably a team people were talking about as could be the top team in the conference going on the road and doing it after a brutal loss the week before. I just, I don't know. I feel like there's an argument to be made at the very least. I think you can say that's the best road victory Dak has had since his rookie year. Oh, there's no question about that. Yeah. I mean, there's a, uh... You know, I think the overall record is below 500, and he's well above, well above 500 against the division, and somewhat below the division, uh, below the 500 against everybody else. But I could say I, I don't. I, if he if he would have beat Aaron Rodgers last week at Lambeau Field, I could say there's Aaron Rodgers don't lose very many times at Lambeau Field. You know, so that would have been. I think that would have been a really nice signature win against a, a guy that's a Hall of Fame quarterback. I don't see Kirk Cousins as a Hall of Fame quarterback myself. Oh, wow. Shots fired at poor Kirk Cousins. Uh, Good quarterback, though. Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins, I think, now is 2-9 and nine versus the Cowboys in his career. He, is, he has not had a lot of good – and one of those victories came against Kellen Moore, I think, yeah. at the end of the season when they were absolutely terrible. Uh, yeah. Speaking of Kellen Moore – uh, because this is something that Tony Romo said on the broadcast yesterday, Brian. Uh, true or false, Kellen Moore will be a head coach in the NFL next season. I'm going to say that's false. Really? You don't, you don't think 
that that when people look at it and go, man, was he when he's had Dak Prescott at the helm, you're talking about a guy who's been able to draw up an offense that's been, you know, basically first in the NFL four years running. Yeah, I mean, there's also people that will probably say, look what he did with uh, a backup quarterback for five games. I, me personally, though, the problem with Kellen Moore is the consistency, the consistency. And, you know, I mean, this year, yeah, I mean, they were four and one with Cooper Rush at quarterback. I, I, I will say this. I agree about Romo. I don't think Cooper Rush is as bad as we all thought he was. I really don't. No, I, no, I don't, I don't I, think I it's think, bad. I just don't think it's I think a I, I admit it. I admit it. I was unfair to Cooper Rush. You know, I, I was unfair in the preseason to Cooper Rush. I, you know, I, I like Will Greer. I think Will Greer's a really – I think Will Greer's a good quarterback. I think Will Greer was more – his game kind of fits for how the Cowboys play. But, you know, Cooper Rush, let's be honest, he's made Kellen Moore look pretty good, you know, in the way that he was able to to get wins, you know. And can we, can I, I want to give Mike McCarthy – I'm going to give Mike McCarthy credit for a lot of that stuff too, you know. Sure. I'm going to give Mike McCarthy credit for, like, listen, we – you know, we got to dial back things. We got – now – the example of like, okay, well, then what happened to Green Bay? Why'd you throw the ball 48 times against them? You know, why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? I think there's those questions about Kellen Moore is like, okay, why do you all of a sudden, why are you playing at such a high level? And then the next week you can fall completely apart, you know, or the quarterback plays terrible or, you know, the fourth down call that you just, you really didn't have a really good call there, you know? So I mean, we're seeing some of these good young coaches. The guy yesterday uh, on Sunday at Minnesota, Kevin O'Connell. It looks like the guy in Cincinnati's kind of turning things around. But look what he's got. He's got receivers. He's got a quarterback. You know, the the shinest. I mean, even though the guy, the Rams won the Super Bowl this year. You know, man, that team looks like the, a shell of itself. You know, and that just shows you when you don't have the players, but. I think there's been a lot of time. Well, you know, we'll, we'll see with Kellen Moore. I, I, I personally don't think, I don't think Kellen Moore will be leaving the Dallas Cowboys. I, I really don't. More likely then for you, Kellen Moore gets a head coaching job this off season, or another team pays, uh, pays Cooper Rush big money to start for them. That. Which did you guys, you did you guys do that on your show this morning? Was that a well? Show? Well, Sean Sean Sharif threw it out on Sean and RJ. Sure did yeah. We, we we both think that I think Kellen Moore is going to get a job this offseason. I I just think that eventually somebody's going to pull the trigger. He's gotten too many head coaching interviews back to back off seasons. I think somebody's going to finally get it. Oh, you're saying so? It's more likely that that Kellen Moore is going to leave than than Cooper Rush get a big deal. Right? I, I I think they both could. It's just they're going to hit in the same off season. So I don't I don't know. But but if you don't think Kellen Moore will get a job, do you think it's more likely that somebody would pay Cooper Rush to be their starting quarterback this off season? That's a good question because I I mean you, you've seen him. You've seen him win his one start. I mean, the guy's won what he's five and one as an NFL starter. Yeah. You know, I there could be a team out there. It's like, listen, maybe this guy is good enough that and maybe he's not going to command $28 million or $38 million. You know, maybe Cooper Rush is a to start out with is a 18 to $20 million quarterback. You know, and you don't have to pay him forty million dollars to, to you know, to play quarterback. 
So I, I would say he's got a shot if that's the case. If somebody identifies him as, hey, he's smart, he's tough, he's somewhat mobile, throws the ball well. If you put a running game with him, he does a good job. He makes the right checks. He, he doesn't get too out of whack. But I'll say this, though, about Cooper Rush. He's one of those guys where if the pressure's on him and he gets touched, he tends to kind of lose, his, lose himself a little bit, you know? Yeah. So I, I think I, – I might, I might be totally wrong. I think there's a better chance of Cooper Rush leaving than Kellen Moore. All right, unless, very good. Unless, Kel, unless, you know, unless somebody just – unless the Cowboys go on a big run – if the Cowboys go on a big run and then all of a sudden it's like, well, they went on the run because, you know, Kellen Moore was able to, you know, the offense did a great job. And, but man, you, you, you better get more consistent throughout if you want to be, uh, you know, if you want to, you want to get that head coaching job. Last one for you here. Uh, coming into tonight's Monday Night Football game between the Cardinals and 49ers in Mexico City, the Cowboys have the best point differential in the NFC, Brian. The second best point differential in the NFL. Are the Cowboys the best team in the NFC? They beat Minnesota. Philadelphia beat Minnesota. Philadelphia beat Dallas with a backup quarterback on mistakes. Um, I think that Philadelphia and Dallas are really close. I think Philadelphia's got some of the similar issues that you have. I haven't studied the 49ers a whole hell of a lot. Tampa looks like they're a team that's kind of rallying a little bit, and they beat you first game of the year. Again, haven't seen the 49ers, have seen the Seahawks a little bit. I like what the Seahawks have done at quarterback, and I like what they do with running the football. I think they play well enough on defense. Uh, so I'm not going to say I, – I still think because Philadelphia – I think – I believe this all along that Philadelphia and Dallas were really, really close when you look at the rosters. And I kind of feel like now Dak – you know, this last game playing a little bit better. He wasn't great against Green Bay, you know? No. And so I still kind of feel like that Philadelphia is that team. But it's it's coming down to let's see what Philadelphia does against Green Bay. Green Bay might have might have quit. You know, we might see them go to Philadelphia on a Sunday night and completely quit. And, you know, that's that's a shame. But till 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 you get that matchup on December 24th, I'm going to say Philadelphia's ahead of you right now. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian, it is now time for our listener mailbag. It is our favorite part of the show where we turn things over to our dear, sweet listeners for their questions via Twitter and elsewhere. Before we do that, I need to say thank you once again to our wonderful partner here at Love the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. We're going to be going out to Boomer Jacks very soon. Hopefully have an announcement on that front for you guys here shortly. Uh, but you don't have to wait for us. You guys can head out there all on your own. You may even see us out there. Uh, best days to go, I think, are Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Tuesdays, it's half-rice bone-in wings. Wednesdays, it's half-rice boneless wings. But really, any other day of the week will do because they got great drink specials starting at $3, wall-to-wall -wall TVs, live music, 
wonderful atmosphere, the coldest beer in the Metroplex, the coldest beer anywhere, really. Uh, it's just an incredible atmosphere for whatever you're looking for, whether it's, you know, happy hour drinks with the coworkers, a place to watch the game with your buddies, or somewhere just to have dinner with your family. Boomer Jacks is the perfect spot. So check them out. There's 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That is boomerjacks.com. First question for you here, Brian from Chase, wanting to know, how did Damone Clark look? You know, he only got eight snaps against Green Bay. Saw a lot of Michael Parsons at linebacker because of that yesterday, a lot more involved at linebacker, freed up Mike Parsons to rush a little bit. But how did he play overall? Felt like he played pretty well. You know, he's getting more comfortable with his responsibilities. Um, I think he's seeing things a little bit better. Um, you know, they're going to need him to play well. They really are. I mean, with – you know, Leighton Vanderush, I think, is, you know, he's like a 50-50 player. Anthony Barr is a 50-50 player. Um, you know, it's it just there's times where it, it, it looks good and other times it's been a struggle. And I think that with with Clark, he's very capable. He's a big game player. He's one of those kids that, you know, he's he's really they, – they love him in the organization. You know, he's battled back from a difficult injury. You know, you could tell the physicality which he plays with. When he steps up and makes a tackle, the ball carrier is not falling for extra yards and stuff like that. So I think he's feeling a lot more comfortable with his game. I think he's feeling a lot more comfortable in the scheme. And I think the coaches just need to keep playing him because I think he's going to come up with a play or two for you uh, when these when one of these games when you really need him. Next question here from uh, one of our loyal listeners, uh, Aisha Morrison, who's actually uh, got a podcast with DallasCowboys.com, which she does with Jane Slater, Justin Navarez, uh, a lot of great folks over there, Kelsey Charles, Haley Sutton. So uh, go check that out, Girls Talk, Boys Talk. Uh, but Aisha says one of the biggest issues from the linebackers is how much depth they give up before making yeah. the tackle. With Clark emerging and Anthony Barr coming back, how would you address getting better consistent play at the linebacker position, Brian? Yeah, just what we talked about, Aisha, that that whole thing with with Clark is, you know, I mean, they when the when it when the ball comes running downhill at these linebackers, I mean, it is they're doing their best to scrape and get to where they need to be. And I'll tell you what though, sometimes, you know, the down guys not holding not holding those blocks up and then they're making these they're making these linebackers have to run the hump. And what I mean run the hump is if you if these defensive linemen get pushed up the field and they're instead of just going flat, they're having to go at a deeper depth. And you know, that's they've had some with Parsons is overrun. They've had some where uh where uh, El, uh Leighton is overrun, bars overrun. You know, that's the thing about it is, that, you know, they and there were some times yesterday when the Vikings ran the ball that they had some of the same issues. You know, you, you got away with it yesterday because of how the game went. But, man, I'll be interested to see what happens with the Giants because they're making these linebackers have to play at depth and then really try and flatten things out. And, you know, if they if – they, go too far the ball comes behind them and it's it's been some been some problems so you know I think a lot of it starts with what's going on up front and allowing those guys to um, you know those guys not you know allowing them a little bit more flatness a little bit more freedom not to have to deal with blocks so they can get to the ball last uh last linebacker question for here Brian uh, for here Brian question from Trey Hicks. 
I noticed Jabril Cox was PFF's second graded defender, second highest graded defender of the game. He only played seven snaps, though. Yeah. Uh, his performance in seven snaps stand out to you at all? Is he executing differently or looking more impressive? No, I mean he's fine. I mean they, they, you know, they're they're in they're in a game situation where you know the backups are in there and all that, and that's good. I mean he's going to get opportunities to to play. I you know when you ask when you ask questions about it's you know it, it you know he he's a guy that really kind of struggled against the run. You know he yeah. wasn't a great run defender at LSU, and you know they're trying to kind of get him back into that mode of. Special teams, you know, we've seen some stuff where we've seen some special teams that have made some guys, you know, better players. I think Kelvin Joseph has become a better player because of his work on special teams. He'll yeah. get the coverage stuff, but you see an aggressiveness to his game because of special teams. I think that's what they're trying to think about with Jabril Cox. You know, throw him in there, let him have some action, let him see if he can cover kicks, let him see if he can make some tackles. Let him see if he can, you know, and take advantage of some things. But, you know, their their lack of desire to play him, um, you know, could be because of because, you know, they you know, he needs to learn what he needs to do. And, you know, they maybe they don't trust him with the assignments quite yet, even though we've played, you know, 11 weeks now. You know, you have to find a way to to kind of earn your opportunities. And like I said, I think, I think Joseph has done a really good job of, you know, taking those special teams reps and, and making it into like, okay, you can play me on D you can play me on defense bland, same way, you know, you get good special teams reps and then you can play. I think that's, I think they're still trying to get uh, Jabril Cox over the hump on that. Question here from Greg Burnett. After 10 games, what is y'all's confidence level in Tyler Smith and Terrence Steele as the starting tackles in 2023 and beyond? Brian, I know you were not the biggest Terrence Steele fan coming into this season. I know you felt a lot better about the way he's played. Tyler yeah. has been pretty steady at left tackle. I think the Cowboys probably feel great about where their tackles are at for the future. Yeah, I, I think they do too. And I wouldn't be one bit surprised that they tried to extend Terrence Steele. And I think Terrence Steele would probably be pretty smart just to, to – keep going and see how the season ends for him. But he's a much better run blocker than he is a pass blocker. Not to say he's a bad pass blocker, but his run blocking is absolutely legitimate, you know, and, you know, you get into a game where maybe you have to throw the ball 48, 50 times that kind of exposes him on stuff. But when you, when you can run the football, he is athletic. Him and Zach Martin do a really good job shoulder-to-shoulder combo blocks, second-level blocks, getting on the outside. Uh, you know, he's been very impressive playing that way. And I think they're, I think you're right. I think they're I think they're confident going forward that Tyler Smith and Terrence Steele could be their tackles in 2023. Do you think that they, they've been I, – I know people have still been critical of, like, the Amari Cooper move and some things like that, but do you think they've been proven correct on their decision to just roll with Steele and move on from Lyle Collins? Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. And I think this offensive line will be even better when they get Tyron Smith back as well. And But they, they're, the justification to move on from Collins, to move on from Randy Gregory, you know, there's there were some some situations. Now, we'll see. They have to go get, you know, potentially go get Odell Beckham to help the wide receiver crew. But I mentioned on Sunday – Man, these guys did a good job of going and snatching the football. That's what you get from Odell Beckham. But 
I think that this this front office is looking really, really good for the Randy Gregory move. They're looking really, really good for the, uh, you know, well, Randy's signing on his own. That's really him, but, you know, not getting that done. The Collins move, I think, is making them look good right now. We'll see what happens with Amari Cooper, especially if they get uh, Odell Beckham. But uh, the front office, I think, has done a pretty solid job. Last question for uh, you specifically here, Brian. Uh, somebody who grew up a big uh, Cowboys fan. has been around the league for uh, several years. Ralph wants to know, what is your favorite Cowboys Thanksgiving game memory? Uh, 1974. Clint Longley is playing against the Washington Redskins at a game at Texas Stadium. Roger Staubach, who gets concussed in the game, and the Cowboys just – you know, it's it was a heated rivalry, a bitter rivalry between the Redskins and the Cowboys uh, at that time, and and you know George Allen and and uh, and Tom Landry. I mean, there was a lot of hate between the two cities, the two teams. And Clint Longley comes in as a backup quarterback, and he throws the ball down the field, and Drew Pearson makes an incredible catch. Uh, to win the game for the Cowboys at 1974 unreal moment of, uh, of Cowboy football history. Uh, when you start to talk about the, and I've been to, I can't tell you how many Thanksgiving day games that I've been to, but that's the one that, that always, cause you know, when Roger Staubach was out of the game, you just think the Cowboys are done and here's, Clint Longley launches his pass and Drew Pearson with an incredible catch to, to end the game and, and to beat the Redskins was uh, quite a memory for a, a kid at the time that was 11 years old. Was that, and and since you've, uh, you, you, you've got that in the memory banks, was that Dwayne Thomas's first game back against them? Uh, I'm trying to remember that if it, it may was, have been the year after. Yeah, there was uh you know, Dwayne was such a – it was so interesting when you start to talk he's, about – He scored – I know he scored that game. He scored before the yeah, – Yeah, I'm trying to – I mean, I just – like I said, I just remember the – really the ending of that game, and I remember how tough of a game it really was. Yeah. Uh, but, man, I mean, Dwayne Thomas, he was the – you talk about the modern day. If there was, like, Twitter and – Instagram and all the social media He'd platforms. Have been all over it. This would have been one of those things because Dwayne Thomas would just, he was a great player, but man, he was so different. I mean, he was different. He was a different kind of player. And, you know, in an era where players were kind of like, there was really, there's no free agency or movement or anything like that. And, you know, if you, if you really made somebody mad, they trade you to green Bay or Buffalo or one of those things. And, you know, it was, but he, he was a, he was an incredible player, incredible player that, that always was kind of like in Tom Landry's doghouse for like attitude and stuff like that. It was him and Calvin Hill was a great player at time. Man, this, those teams in the seventies were, I loved going to Texas stadium and watching those games. I, I grew up watching those, those old teams play. And it, those were a lot of fun, fun days. Hopefully some uh, good memories will be made this Thursday. I'll tell you what, they haven't played very well on Thanksgiving the last no. few months. No, it'd be, yeah. it'd be nice to get that back on track. Let's yeah. look like a uh, like one of like Romo throwing five touchdowns against Tampa. Like, yeah. Let's have 
those Thanksgiving Day games. Yeah. Hope great memories. Uh, we will be back here with you guys again one more time before Thanksgiving, and then we'll probably hit you Friday uh, with a post-game show reaction. Until then, we will talk to you guys later.